0: setting the skein i'm ben i'm tristan i'm elijah and uh uh, uh guys <laughs> um what what
1: ben what oh, do you so want uh, normally
0: like i record like alone in my room but um I'm there's a spirit not, I'm... I'm not alone
1: there's a spirit there with you
2: okay well we don't have a guest on this episode so i don't know what you're talking about
1: yeah i don't know who you're i don't know what i don't know right who there. this is, is he was
0: standing in the shower and came out and scared me i have returned boys <laughs> oh oh that was dramatic back. Yeah. <laughs> welcome back Doug.
1: oh yeah if, if you're new to the show <laughs> my
3: name is Doug Gooden um I was on for like a lot of this uh yeah. way back when it was just me and Ben mm-hmm. on the old old <laughs> podcast but That's uh a I've time. been gone I've been gone that long
1: yeah.
3: I've been gone for several
0: weeks and now I'm back yep so Doug was off uh doing stuff all across the country and uh, also in the 15 states 15 yeah. states yep
3: Hmm. what a time well
0: we're happy to have you back
3: Doug I'm happy to be back because Ben I don't know if you knew this yeah but we're talking about one of my favorite movies that I watched this past year
0: oh wait we're talking about a movie oh yeah we are I'm sorry did we not tell you this isn't a movie podcast oh oh shoot shoot a lot happens in 15 weeks
3: yeah uh, not 15 weeks nine (laughs) weeks 15 states now this
2: is an art criticism podcast so uh, get ready
0: what time is it well, well where am I who am I if, if you excuse me I'll, I'll show myself okay how. yeah um so uh, today on um setting the painting uh we're going to be talking about a claude monet um oh, please you, you could have come up with something
3: better than setting the painting go you've got to go on let's let's see how how long this bit plays out
0: oh no this bit is dead
3: okay sweet. so what did we watch this week you gotta yeah.
1: love the ink. oh never mind all right I we we're gonna <laughs> talk about paint
3: well, uh, this week, folks, we watch The Trial of the Chicago 7, released in 2020, uh, directed by Aaron Sorkin, with screenplay by Aaron Sorkin, uh, starring, I don't know why I was going scores first, but starring, uh, we got Eddie Redmayne, we got Sasha Baron Cohen, we've got Mark Rylance, uh, Jeremy Strong, uh, Michael Keaton, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, a whole bunch bunch of folks mm-hmm. uh this is this is a stacked movie at yeah. least
1: seven at yes least that
3: many well really at least at least eight for a long time mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah this movie uh garnered a lot of buzz when it came out uh Has a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb and 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, 76% on Metacritic, Mm -hmm. and 92% on the old Google. Uh, This movie was nominated for a heck ton of Oscars, uh, including, no, it did not, Uh, including Best Picture, Best Screenplay, Best Director. Um, What else? What else? Best Supporting Actor. lots of lots of movies lots of awards this movie was nominated for sure. um,
0: and it did not win a single one of them. Oh, that is very disappointing because I thought this was quite an excellent movie. Well,
3: having seen all the movies that were nominated for Oscars last year, which is something that I am very surprised that I'm able to say. Yeah. Um, this is very good.
1: Yeah.
3: I don't I, if there was one award that I thought it might have gotten, I thought it might have gotten best supporting actor for yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen, because um, he did very very well mm-hmm. but I think the award wound up going to Daniel Kaluuya uh, for Judas and the Black Messiah ah. which is very not ironic but kind of ironic because Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya uh plays a character in Judas and the Black Messiah plays a character who is in Trial of the Chicago 7
0: mm-hmm. which is just crazy mm-hmm. Crazy mm-hmm. how that works out
1: mm-hmm.
0: so uh, does anyone want to tell us what this movie's is about
1: yeah uh i will go for it it's in a title <laughs> um the chicago Seven. oh well uh, i'm sorry ben i i cannot tell you their names um i'm, I'm not going to be able to do that um hmm. but i tell you what if you if you type into your google go to your phone or internet type in google go to google doc, go to www.google.com type in chicago 7 you'll find their names okay yep <laughs> The important part
3: so so these are the chicago seven <laughs> uh abby oh, okay. hoffman tom hayden jerry rubin uh let me see let me see uh rennie davis uh let me see lee weiner uh john freunds i think that's it. no there's
0: uh Darren. uh
3: oh no. uh david dellinger those are the chicago seven um basically they're these seven leaders of various protesting groups back in the 1960s, 1968. Uh, they were protesting, they were protesting- Take it away, Doug. The Vietnam War, and they did so at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Um, uh, yeah, it was this long drawn out uh, court trial laden with uh, laden with illegal uh, activities by both the judge, uh, Judge Ho- Judge Hoffman, um, and also just it was it was basically a political circus because they they were trying to convict these men of conspiracy uh, and conspiracy to incite violence, and that was not what happened. They literally were protesting, and they were attacked by police officers. Um, and they also roped in the unofficial eighth member of the Chicago Seven, Bobby Seal um who was in a completely different state uh doing completely different things Mm -hmm. um and he was in chicago for all of like four hours but he was the head of the uh i can't remember if he was the head of the entire uh national organization or just the chicago branch i get him and fred hampton
1: confused no he he co-founded the entire organization
3: okay so he was the co-founder of the black panther party um and he was in chicago at the same time as these uh, at the same time as these protests, oh. didn't even know any of the guys. Um, but they wrote him in as well, uh, just you know, because 60s and they were trying to uh
0: play off the fact that uh, you know, uh, I think the word you're looking for is racism. Oh,
3: yeah, racism, that's what it is. Racism. Um, they were trying to
0: play off the fact that they were racist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say, um, that character, uh, what's his name, Robbie, Bobby Seal. Uh, Bobby Seals. Is it Seal or Seal? Seal. Uh, He has a very good line uh, in the movie where he outright accuses the judge of having him there to scare the jury into a guilty verdict. Yeah. One of the many, 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 many illegal things that happens in this whole case.
3: Yeah. um, The uh, yeah, the, the incorporation of Bobby Seal and the mere trial was like, it was very clearly like a play it racist mm-hmm. uh at racist uh, ideologies that were present at the time um because they literally just wanted to charge this group with as much as possible mm-hmm. because the people who wound yeah. up bringing this to court was the attorney general's office at the time the attorney general under richard nixon whose name i can't remember uh john something um john mitchell is right there <laughs> um i yeah bottom line this was a huge political circus that they were just trying to hit all these men with uh because they could Mm -hmm. um yeah
0: all right right, i'm gonna get off my
3: soapbox for a moment
0: that sounds good uh so diving into the movie a little bit um uh doug i know you had seen this before uh tristan elijah have y'all first time all right uh did y'all have any kind of expectations coming into it
2: um I think the you know the one thing that i could say is i maybe walked into this going okay this is another one of those historical dramas so it's going to be a little slow but i'll stay with it mm-hmm. it was not as slow as i thought it was going to be it it very much kept my attention
1: yeah yeah i had the same thought i didn't i i didn't even know anything about anything <laughs> when we started this movie uh, i didn't even look it up um and, yeah, I really, I, I mean, the trial to Chicago 7, I also thought it was going to be just kind of like maybe a long-winded political drama that was just like, just a bunch of, I mean, it, it was a bunch of people talking in a room, but it also wasn't like it, um, it was well done. I, it just wasn't as boring as I thought it was going to be. <laughs>
0: Outside. Now, Tristan, um, I remember you saying before we started that uh, your perception of the film was kind of different from the beginning of it to the end. You want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I, I just, I, when I saw the beginning, so the beginning of the movie, uh, it introduces you to the characters who are on trial and um, they, it just kind of like shows you around what they're doing with their lives, like who they are like it tells you who they are it tells you what they do and like gives you a, a snippet of their life um, and I immediately just went to like I, I mean my brain said oh this is one of those movies and what I mean by that is it I just thought that was kind of cheesy you know like I just immediately I was like oh okay we're just gonna hop around because there was like some peppy music playing throughout it and just some like I, what i thought was overcharacterizations um, in some ways um especially the like in like the black panther one mm-hmm. for bobby seal i just thought it was like overacted kind of um and then the trial started and like the events of the movie <laughs> happened and then i was like oh uh this isn't like that why did they do that that's a weird turn but okay but then it made sense because the rest of the movie like had moments of comedy too, you know? And it was like, it was, in, it was interesting. It's harder to really define the the specific genre or like stick to a genre for this. I guess it was pretty clearly drama, but it, it kind of, it kind of like went a lot of different ways. So with that being said, I mean, the beginning, I judged it a little too harshly, I think, but, um, but I've seen a lot of movies that kind of set up this kind of like, cheesy take where it's like we're gonna be bop around to all the characters and just kind of show you what's going on it's gonna be fun and peppy and it's like okay i get i've seen movies like this before but it really did a thing i didn't expect which was which was nice it made me feel made me feel dumb kind of <laughs> which i like that when movies make me do that
0: uh well shifting a little bit let's uh talk about the um get to the acting in a second but i want to talk about aaron sorkin for a minute um so this is actually the second movie that we've watched on uh for this podcast uh that was written by aaron sorkin the first being uh the social network um and i kind of get a lot of the same i want to say vibes but like the same kind of like tension that's like building up throughout the whole movie uh not like you're worried about what's happening next but like you can feel the The tension in the movie itself kind of growing and growing like something has to snap well
3: what's what's really interesting at that is the fact that in both this and the social network you have both sort of uh legal centric movies um and both cases you know aaron sorkin's able to use a lot of actual deposition actual legal testimony that was used in court and in both in both the trial of the Chicago seven and also in the deposition hearings against Mark Zuckerberg. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's able to really work well with that while keeping a lot of it intact Mm -hmm. and also create, you know, a three, a three act story structure. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. I think taking sort of this, sort of this, what could be considered monotonous, uh, dry testimony that is, uh, at the heart of these trials and this and that deposition hearing um he's very good at taking that and making it a lot bigger a lot more impactful because you have to think the people who are saying this uh deposition or the people who who are on trial at this point they don't know that this is going to be used to be made into a movie right. but Sorkin's able to take that use it and give it the weight that's needed mm-hmm.
0: I feel like a lot of credit for that also goes to the actors who, mm. uh, in both movies do incredible jobs. Like um, you mentioned, Sasha Baron Cohen had been was nominated for an Oscar for this. Honestly, I think he can make the case for a few of them. Um, was uh, Eddie man? No, he was not. I think you can make the argument for him because um, I think he also did a really good job.
2: Yeah, the acting was really
3: good. I really like the actor who played old uh, William Kunstler. Oh, uh, uh, hold on. I'll tell you his name because I can never remember his name, but I really like him as well. I think he was my favorite. Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance. He's also in Ready Player One. Cool. Oh, Um, yeah. What a show. Yeah. uh,
2: Gary Gygax. I really I really liked him. Um, Mm -hmm. Me too. Tristan, I'm reeling. Did you just say Gary Gygax?
3: Yeah, that's wait. That's not his character in Ray Player One. What's
1: his character?
3: <laughs>
2: Who's Gary, Gary G- Gygax?
3: Gary
1: Gygax uh, is the guy James who Halliday. started
2: D and D. Oh, <laughs> Sim- similar. I was like, idea.
3: Like, is that really <laughs> the name of the character? <laughs> no, it's not.
1: <laughs> no, but I think it's. I, th- I think it's like building off of people like Gary Gygax.
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean, God, God that's, why, that's sounds, why I said it. That definitely sounds like not somebody's real name. So yeah, I'll, <laughs> let, I'll let you take that up with Ernest Klein, the author of the book, Ready <laughs> Player One. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the right. acting. I'll be good. there Tuesday. Acting and directing, super good.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: I think, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, there, there were a lot of powerful moments in this movie that that weren't like, you know, shoved into your soul is like, here, like, look, just look at this happen. You know, it wasn't like I'm, it wasn't like I'm trying to get an Oscar out of this. It was just like, I'm just doing it, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. just good. And also, I'm just really trying my best. <laughs> That's what yeah. it felt like with it, these performances. It
2: definitely felt like they, you know, this movie deals with a lot of pretty heavy things, like, um, uh, the, the racism against uh, Bobby seal and particularly the scene in the courtroom where he's cuffed and gagged. Um, And then stuff like, you know, the Vietnam war controversy. Um, And this movie treats those subjects with, you know, the gravity that they deserve. It doesn't make light of any of these very serious things, Um, but it's still it's directed artfully enough that it feels like, wow, they're they're doing some really interesting things with the direction of this movie. And there are moments of comedy and levity in the movie that don't undercut the importance of, of what the movie's really about overall. Mm-hmm. I think that's all really well done.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like that makes these people feel more like real people, which it should, because these all are and were real people. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think... I think largely what I've seen, like the the biggest thing that I've seen is like a stray away from what actually happened, mm-hmm. is uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's character, whose name I can't remember, uh, Schultz. Schultz. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prosecution, um, they make him a whole lot more sympathetic in this movie than he actually was in real life. Mm-hmm. I really um, love
0: that.
3: Yeah. Which I mean, I get it. I get when you have a character who's as despicable as Judge Hoffman. I think it's probably for the best that you give them some, like, Mm -hmm. some, someone to like, uh, sympathize with.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, not sympathize, empathize.
0: Yeah.
3: Um. Yeah.
0: Because I'll say that, and also the um, how long Bobby Seal was chained and gagged Mm -hmm. was another big thing that was changed. Uh, Cause Doug, you said he was like that in the courtroom for close to a week. Yeah. Close to a
3: week before uh, they called. So, so like I said, Bobby seal was not really, he was literally roped into this for the look uh, mm-hmm. of their trial. He wasn't even in the same uh, court case as the rest of them were. Mm-hmm. He was being tried on completely different mm-hmm. grounds for a completely different incident uh, they literally brought him in just to give the, just to give the look, uh, of, Hey, we have this, we have this dangerous black man on trial mm-hmm. as well, just so that they could play that element of it, uh, for the court. Um, when actuality, he was not a member of the Chicago seven, he was not being charged with them. So, uh, they bound and gagged him, um, after he made repeated remarks that he was not being represented with counsel because, uh, Bobby Seals lawyer, uh, the day before the day before the trial started, um, had to undergo emergency gallbladder surgery. Um, and therefore he was not able to, uh, he was not able to be in court and the judge would not grant him a continuance, um, would not grant him uh, a later trial date, um, so so yeah, so so all this happens. Bobby is bound and gagged for close to a week, um, and then uh, and then his and then his trial is deemed a mistrial, um, and he's given a later court date, um, mm-hmm. which in the movie Joseph Gordon Levitt kind of makes the plea of like, hey, uh, we're not going to be like you have you have like irreparably. Uh, altered the mindset of this jury by having him here let's have a mistrial Um, and I think in actuality I think it was Kuntzler who or someone else who, mm-hmm. who said please like deem this a mistrial because yeah. it doesn't
2: right. mm-hmm. and so in reality though and I know we're here to talk about the movie and not so much what really happened but in reality we now we have learned today if we didn't know already like Doug did uh, that Bobby Seale was actually chained and gagged in that courtroom for, I think, six days.
3: Yeah, it was, it was close to a week.
2: And everybody just sat there in the room with him being held like that and continued to hold their little kangaroo court. Yeah. This is the United States of America, and this is the way we do court.
1: Oof. It, I mean, th- this, is, this, this is reflective of things that are still happening today. And have happened for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this was a wild one, uh, obviously. Um, But, I mean, there's similar stuff that that happens like this still. And I think it's a relevant film for that reason.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially in the last year, in the wake of uh, the various protests. um, Following George Floyd, um, you see very similar situations where people are protesting peacefully and the cops will come with riot gear and tear gas and it's just like mm-hmm. what why, why yeah. is
2: that happening and the bit where the uh the police officers have cornered these protesters um and you know they've got their riot bats or whatever they're called and um they're about to move in and before they do they take the time to remove their name tags and badges Mm -hmm. in recent years there's been the uh the the nice little phenomenon of police officers conveniently turning their body cameras off before they go in to do something Mm -hmm. kind of a similar thing uh you know the more things change the more they stay the same
1: so they they took their badge so i was a little confused honestly they took their badges and names off to not be identified Mm. yeah okay i i immediately when i saw that i thought oh are they like also saying that they're down with the system because they're taking their badges off they're saying they were saying
3: stuff's about to get real Mm -hmm. uh yeah
2: i can see i can see why you think that tristan because the first time we see that it's a little bit out of context it's just like a a quick flashback and we don't know why they're taking their badges and name tags off but later we find out the full context of that
1: yeah yeah um Eddie, oh god, Redman, Eddie Redman, Eddie Roadman. <laughs> he, um, I've only seen him in three movies, two of which were Fantastic Beasts.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Tristan, you have to that, see the theory of everything. I'm pretty sure he has
1: an Oscar win under his belt, and I've seen Les Mis. It's the, um, it's the theory of everything, right? You it's either Theory of
3: Everything or uh, Brooklyn Girl Girl from Brooklyn. Hold on. Oh, I don't know that one. Well, Sorry, Tristan, they are very close to each other and because of that, I'm trying to remember. Um, oh, Tristan. He's in Les Miserables. That's
1: what I said. Yeah, I've seen that one. Oh, you did. I didn't hear that. Yeah, you're talking about the Danish girl. Oh, is it the Danish girl? Yeah, which I have not seen. The Danish um, girl from Brooklyn. <laughs> uh... But my point is, is that in the movies I've seen him in, I have always I've, I've thought that he's just been like. A little like I, I, I just see him like I just see him acting, but in this movie, maybe it was the accent, I don't know, um, but he was like more toned down some like it wasn't just like him all the time it's like he shared the stage pretty well I felt like so I liked that a lot too it 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 felt like I I felt like I could really judge his performance better um, when he was sharing it with a lot of other people yeah interesting you know Um, like even in Les Mis even though he's part of the ensemble he still has you know a leadership role Mm -hmm. that Doug the whole show is an ensemble I would
3: disagree with that. but <laughs> We're not here to talk about like We're here to talk about sure of the Chicago 7. for the record, he did win for uh, theory of e- theory of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you so got
2: literally see that an movie. ensemble cast. you You got to see that movie, Tristan. I would like to. So, yeah, so there's Eddie Redmayne, um, and there's the guy I, I've already forgotten his name, but the guy that plays uh, Mr. Kunstler was really good.
0: Parker Islands.
2: Yeah, Mark Rylance, that guy was good.
0: The um, so Sasha Baron Cohen was impeccable.
2: Yes, he was. He,
3: he did everything he was supposed to do and he did it mm-hmm. uh, compellingly. Can I be real with you? I think the main reason that Sasha Baron Cohen uh, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor is because in the same year that he did this, he also did Borat, um, or the sequel to Borat. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, talk about range. yeah. I mean but in a way
0: I feel like he always plays a similar-ish character.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think I think Ricky Bobby is maybe like the exception. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but uh, no, I think yeah, I think the performances in this are like uh-huh. off the wall insane.
0: Hmm.
3: Oddly enough, I think one of my favorite performances in this movie is Judge Hoffman.
0: Yeah. I was
3: gonna say that.
0: So like He's he plays great. the role of old racist white man who um is just trying to lock these people up very well
3: i believe the word you're looking for is evil
0: yes that. okay he is evil and i, I want to say
2: calling him racist i, I want to point out it, one of the things this movie does that was glorious uh one of those ain't that just like us white folks kind of moments is when <laughs> they call for the uh the sidebar talking about Judge and Obama. the the um The the judge says, I've been alive a long time and you're the first man who's ever accused me of discriminating against a black man. Uh, Ain't that just like us white folks to be like, I'm not racist. I such and such and such. I have one black friend, you know, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. This guy does that. And you, I mean, you see it clear as day how, (laughs) how worthless
3: his defense of himself is. The man's despicable. Well. Frank Langella the uh, the performer or the actor who plays Judge Hoffman um I was telling Ben uh that it's really funny that he plays this character right here because uh several years ago
1: I know uh, what you're gonna say
3: <laughs> several years ago he played uh Richard Nixon and the movie Frost Nixon um which I also watched this year for the first time uh and uh yeah uh different person in the same time period and just as despicable and um, um, uh i also read that this guy was also the
2: voice of skeletor and some stuff the he-man villain
3: yes i believe so I, I <laughs> yeah believe that. The,
2: this is the the villain that i mainly know from the meme you know i am not nice that meme
0: <laughs> <laughs> man
2: this guy plays a villain yeah does it well um and one of the cool things about uh i say cool again he's despicable but from a storytelling perspective you know people who are really into how stories work um it's it's probably the more popular opinion nowadays for people to think that a villain should be a little sympathetic in order to seem like a realistic person they should have at least some redeeming quality or or some tragic backstory that makes you relate to them somehow because people kind of want to get away from the whole, the villain is the dark Lord who's all evil all the time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in this movie, I think we have a prime example of how you can depict a villain who is just, just absolutely deplorable, no redeeming qualities, and he still seems like a realistic person. You totally know there are people out there like this. Yeah, oh, wow. You probably know some personally.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I. Um, it's just you know, it's it's one of those things where every now and then you see somebody play the absolute worst of humanity, and you're like, man, it takes skill to be
1: that despicable. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, you have to get up in the morning and work to be that evil.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I, I think that's it, though. Someone like that w- would not work to be <laughs> like that. It, it, it's just laziness, if anything you know, to get them to that point of where they just don't care enough to even consider a different point of view.
3: Mm -hmm. It is, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very, uh, it's hard to watch. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, from, from the perspective of, from the perspective of, this is a performer, um, really just nailing the Mm -hmm. despicableness of this man like it's it's impressive
1: (laughs) the fact that we're talking about it so much i think i think uh yeah agrees with that yeah Mm -hmm. so question for the group um
0: something that uh we've done a lot of on this podcast is watch a lot of movies that are based on a true story this is obviously another one how do you feel like this movie does in depicting you know a story based on true story just like in terms of like um being both historically accurate and also making it a story worth telling
2: i think this movie does finds a balance that's really compelling mm-hmm. from and <clears throat> like y'all i'm no expert on this i mean we all knew that there was riots and police brutality and stuff going on in 1968 um you know we know some things about the black panther party and things like that but I don't think, I don't think any of the four of us knew much about this particular situation before we watched the movie. So most of what we know is just from kind of quick internet searches. But from what I've seen, you know, this movie, uh, wherever it deviates from the real story, it does, um, you know, with respect to the, to to telling a story with fidelity, telling the true story, um, just changing things to make it kind of flow better on screen. Like I read that the character of Daphne, who was undercover, was created, but she serves a good purpose in the movie. She moves the narrative forward. And also because of her relationship with the one uh, yippee guy, they also provide some, some much needed levity. So, you know, they made those decisions to to make it a better movie, but they did not compromise, uh, you know, telling the story faithfully
3: of what of what really happened. Right. Yeah, I think they found the balance. I uh, I told Ben uh, before we started this movie. I said, I said, just something you need to know. Uh, everything that we're gonna see, pretty much all happened, but it's tamed down. Because mm-hmm. um, I because uh, I've I've <clears throat> done a decent little amount of research on on this subject after watching the film, and like it's crazy the amount of stuff that they they actually like tone down for the film. And it's like, cause at a certain point people are going to watch it and they're going to think, well, that's too crazy to have happened. Like, like I would love to sit down and talk with Aaron Sorkin and be like, so just out of curiosity, how do you determine what is too crazy to be believed? Um, and in comparison with what is just crazy enough that you can believe it happened. Um, yeah.
0: Cause I, Uh, Kind of going with that, I I think this movie does a really good job of kind of towing that line. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, even using the example of Bobby Seale being, you know, chained and gagged for nearly a week, like if we had seen that play out in the movie not having done any research, you would have seen that and be like, there's no way someone would sit there and watch that for six consecutive days and like, even though it did happen,
3: um or you could also make the argument that if you did show it, a lot of people would be like, That's uh almost like torture
0: porn. Right. Um so yeah, I mean it's
3: yeah, it's, I think
0: it does the line very carefully, but very well. Yeah. All oh, right. Well, I think it's time we score this sucker. Ah, uh,
3: Ben, it's been a hot minute since I was on this podcast. Could you please excuse me could you please explain
0: how we score movies on this <laughs> on this podcast i mean it's very
3: complicated
0: it uh, is very complicated <laughs> uh we have this scale um uh, it goes from uh one to okay. 100 okay. Uh, with 100 being the highest oh, okay can you break uh, it no oh, okay gotcha, gotcha yeah gotcha, gotcha. uh yeah that, that's it oh, okay
3: <coughs> sweet well uh gentlemen who wants to go first
0: you Know, I can't. I uh am normally ben. asking who wants to go first, so I never go first. So I'm gonna go first this week, uh, kind of set the tone, you know, mm. set uh, the skein as it were, yes. Uh, uh, well, I mean, we already set the skein if we want to get technical about it, ah, uh, yes. yes, 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 um, because we thought about what that means anyway. Uh, what I'm giving this movie, um, I think I'm gonna get this movie in '88. I think it's a really good movie. Um, I think the Honestly, just everything about it is just really incredible. Um, the reason it's not higher, I would say, is because I don't know that I would necessarily want to watch it again. Uh, so I knocked off a few points for that. But yeah, 88 feels good.
3: So, funny story. Um, this is not planned, but I'm also going to give it an 88. Um, and it's crazy because I actually did watch it a second time. This is the second time that I've watched it. Um, and I think that there are certain parts of it that I enjoyed a whole lot more mm-hmm. the second time I watched. It. I think also having the background knowledge that like, okay, this happened, but this didn't happen, but this mm-hmm. did happen. Um, I think really uh, increased my enjoyment of it to a certain level. But at the same time, uh, I like to say it's kind of the, the Greatest showman paradox of mm-hmm. like I watched The Gray Showman five times in theaters and each five ta- each of those five times, the parts I liked, I liked more and more and more, but the parts I didn't like, I disliked more and more. Yeah. And the second time watching it, there were definitely parts that I didn't like as much. All
2: right. All right.
3: 80, 88, 88.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I feel the same way when I listen to Taylor Swift. Hey, <laughs> there are a couple songs that
2: I the more, feel the The more same I way listen out. to a Taylor Swift song, the more the parts I like give me more enjoyment and the more the parts I didn't like make me cringe a little more.
1: Elijah. <laughs> Not to expose you or anything, but I was on Spotify today and I saw what you were listening to. I was listening
2: to Taylor Swift, and I, you know that was the effect. I, I yeah. didn't quite put it into words, but Doug just helped me
1: figure
0: it out. <laughs> Always. All right. Well, um, Tristan, what are you? How are you going to score this movie?
1: I am going to give it very close to what you guys are going to score it. Actually, and I didn't plan this either. Uh, you didn't sway me. It was eighty-seven. Uh, very close and also um, yeah I, I, I think this movie also taught me a lot too mm-hmm. and I uh, I appreciate that um, you know in, in accordance with all the other things that we've talked about as well but um, I learned a lot all
0: right
1: take us on, Elijah 90
2: I would absolutely recommend this movie to anybody um, except small children who can't handle that kind of language yeah and uh, I, I will definitely watch this movie again.
1: All right. Well,
0: after
2: pulling that into our patented scoreometer. <laughs> Doug, you have no idea. You have no idea what that means to
3: us. Oh, I have yeah. listened to it. I have listened to it multiple times. Yeah, every, every time y'all put out an episode, I have just fast forwarded to that part. I'm like, how do they do it? <laughs>
1: it's mostly been, it was me and Elijah at first. And I think Elijah just let me have it. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we have a final score of eighty-eight point two five. So
0: it's a pretty good movie. Ben and I are right. Right, Ben um, and I are right. Which I mean, I, I feel like that's the way it should be. Um, you know, Doug, it was funny. Uh, while you were gone, I actually got really mean to some movies. Like I was consistently giving movies just the lowest yeah. score. you see, you Doug, Doug need, yeah,
3: you brought his mood right back up. You, <laughs> you need to, you need
0: to
2: have
3: that. That just, I just want to hurt this movie for a little bit. <laughs> it's it's not like you dislike yeah. anything or or
0: oh no there i i, I know there are some movies that you like didn't like a lot movies. of movies um like what the east yes. i
3: knew the it east. i knew it the east but, was yes the, one. the east but but you know every now and then every now and then you just need to really take a movie down a peg <laughs> you gotta make it no oh, yeah. you gotta make it no like there you
0: go. you're not you're not everything you say <laughs> Well, we are certainly not
1: doing that next week. One more thing. Come on, Tristan. just, For the record, I want to say I don't remember what I gave. I think I gave Twilight in 78 or something. I regret it, okay? I regret it. I should have given it a higher rating. That's all. That's all I want to say. Because it's been on my mind and it hasn't left. Anyway.
0: Well, now that you've ruined my segue... Uh, Doug, what are we talking about next week?
3: Well, my friends, next week we're talking about another movie that I've watched multiple times, and each time I watch it, I like certain parts more and other parts less. Right. We're watching the 2017 uh, film Logan. Hmm. Hugh Jackman's last outing as the Wolverine. All right.
0: well,
3: or so that, they say.
0: Yeah, so it'll be a good time. Uh, we'll also be celebrating our one-year anniversary of setting the scheme so that's exciting yeah i
3: left for nine weeks and then came back and they were like we'll have a party
0: yeah uh because you should always have a party when doug Gooden comes back into your life oh hmm. well, yeah uh, anyway be sure to join us next week as we talk about logan it'll be a good time i hope you all enjoy this episode be sure to keep up with us on social media at vider media check out all the cool stuff we're doing um See, we've got new episodes of Setting the skein every Wednesday, new episodes of Tea with Doug G every Monday night. It's coming back. I just got to <laughs> figure out
3: like two big things and they'll yeah. be
0: good. Yeah. Uh, and then um, you may have also seen on social media, uh, our good pal Michael Ruiz uh, has another podcast that he's starting up uh, called Grizzly History. Um, Can it's- you say grizzly one more time? Grizzly. Oh, grizzly. So that's, that
2: word should definitely have fewer than three syllables in it.
1: <laughs> it's grizzly. <laughs> grizzly. Grizzly <laughs> gri- grizzly, like like a food, maybe grizzly, you know? Yeah, grizzly.
2: Uh, grizzly. <laughs> gri-
1: uh, grizzly.
0: Yeah. Uh, but if you're into uh history stuff, history podcast, uh, it is not technically Vider Media, but we're still big supporters of it. Uh so yeah. you should definitely go check it out. It's uh, uh it's Graham Parker and Michael Reviews. Yeah. I'd say Mike and Graham are both awesome guys and y'all should go support them. Oh uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And this has been Setting the Scheme. Have a great week.